Welcome to the Songwriter Theory Podcast. I'm your host, Joseph Vidala, and we're going to talk about music theory, lyric writing, creative productivity, inspiration, and more. I'm super excited to have you here, so let's dive into the episode. Hello, friend. Welcome to another episode of Songwriter Theory. I'm excited that you uh, have decided to download or stream this episode, and you are joining us in the second week now of our How to Start month. So last week we went over how to start um, with lyrics, and this week we are talking about how to start with melody. And if you want a good companion to this, um, you can go over to the website at songwritertheory.com slash songwriting sessions, all one word, slash songwriting sessions. In order to get access, I did the first video last week, and I might do another one tonight, if not uh, here soon, hopefully. It's literally a video where I use a screen capture, and you know how I usually have the piano available or whatever and record directly in via MIDI with my keyboard and all that. Uh, similar thing where I literally, it's like an hour and 20 minutes of me just talking out loud with you, thinking through the songwriting process, showing you how sometimes it looks. Obviously not a complete song because if you're writing a complete song and in one hour and 20 minutes of one sit down, that means either A, you were really inspired. I hope you enjoyed the f- that one of five times in your life that that will probably happen. Uh, or the song sucks, one of the two probably. Because um, songwriting takes time. It always takes much more time than it feels like it should, for the most part. I definitely have had the one... I have had one song that is... I wrote it eight years ago now, and it's still one of my best. And I did... For the most part, right, the, it went from almost nothing to song written in like 45 minutes or 30 minutes. So that is my one time that I've had that opportunity. But that does not happen very often. So, but it's a good look into what, like realistically what it looks like. Obviously it takes a little longer because I'm explaining out loud how I'm thinking through things, but uh, I have been told that it is helpful. So I hope that that is true. I'm sure it is true. It would have been helpful to me back in the day for sure. Um, so go check it out. So today we're talking about how to start writing melody. So first thing to think about here is if we're going to really boil it down, your song is three parts, right? You have your lyrics, you have your melody, and then you have, uh, Harmony, which usually we think of harmony like the vocal harmony with the melody, but that's not what we're talking about here. Harmony is technically, you know, all of the notes supporting the melody. So all of your background music, all of your chord progressions, all of that is harmony. Um, So if you want to really look at it from a boiled down songwriter standpoint, you have chords, melody, and lyrics. And with each decision you make on any of those levels, it's like a funnel. I think I'm going to do a whole podcast on this, but uh, let me know if you think it would be helpful. Shoot me an email, joseph at songwritertheory.com. I'm thinking about doing a whole podcast on this, on how like songwriting is sort of like a funnel, and you have the most creative um, options at the top, but with each thing you choose, each part you write, you, your, your options become more and more limited, right? Like once you have, once you write the lyrics, for instance, now you have, you know, if, if, if your lyric is like, now she doesn't have to be alone. That's one, now she doesn't have to be alone. You have eight syllables there, but if your melody is like, Like, well, that was, how could you possibly fit eight syllables into what I just did, right? Like, so so now you're melodically constrained because you don't have eight syllables to work with in that line. So 
similarly, with every choice you make, you're more and more constrained, right? If you start with the baseline, the beauty of starting with a baseline, right, is you're probably going to be able to write a killer baseline more easily because you have no rules, right? You, have, you haven't written a chord progression yet that it needs to go with. You haven't written lyrics that, that it needs to go to with. So you have all the options available to you. But then once you write that baseline, right, now you have your key, right? So now you have the key you're forced into. And now that's sort of going to influence the chords that you could choose, right? So, um, so you could think of it like a funnel, right? Like a, a funnel, right, is big at the top and then gets smaller and smaller until the bottom when you don't have any choices left, really. Um, and that's the sort of songwriting in general. So something to keep in mind as we talk about melody today is you know, some of these things, you're going to have more options or less options uh, or fewer options um, if we're considering them countable. Um, fewer options uh, depending on what you already have written. So if you already have uh, lyrics written or chords written, that's that's going to influence a little bit how to start writing melody, but we'll get into that. So... The first thing, and my personal favorite, and I think what is probably the best marriage of comes out with good stuff and is fairly efficient and is easily my go-to, is instrument improvisation. So if you've been here a while, you may have picked up on that I am very, very, very high on uh, improvisation, doing improvising with your instrument. Um, and the reason for that is it's basically uh, several reasons. One, it shows you have a firm grasp of the music theory that you really need to know. Because if you can improvise a piece, right, if you can improvise just... Um, and. Uh, I imagine everybody knows what improvisation is, but just in case, improvisation is basically making up music on the spot, right? Like me right now, if I go over to the piano and I've never played it before, I'm just going to like do something, right? Like, like this. Like that right there, never played that in my life, probably will never play it again. I mean, now it's recorded, so I guess if I liked it enough, I could go back. But the point is, I could just do that, right? And the ability to do that, specifically with piano especially, uh, shows that I understand the music theory that one really needs to know um, that I think is most important to songwriting, which is keys, right? Like I picked a key, I picked key of C, and then, so I knew the rules that I had, like, the, the main chords I should use is C major, G major, A major, A minor, sorry, uh, and F major um, are the main chords I have to work with, the 1, 4, 5, and 6 um, of the key of C. And then I understood all the notes I have to work with, which is C, D, E, F, G, A, B, no sharps or flats. Um, and I just understand that. And so uh, improv sort of forces that. So that's part of why I love improv is that it, um, especially on the piano, because you have so many parts working together at the same time. But even, like, if you're going to improvise a melody on guitar, right, like, you're going to make a ton of mistakes and it's going to sound so bad and you're not going to be able to just, like, make up something that sounds good on the spot if you don't understand, like, the concept of keys, right? Because if you do, like, oh, let's try C, C sharp, D, D sharp, like, and then you're like, oh, why does that sound terrible? Well, if you knew anything about music theory, you would know why. And you wouldn't have even tried that. It would be ridiculous to you. Um, because there's not a key on the planet that has four notes like that in a row. Or if there is, it's some weird made up, like it's it's not real. That's not a thing. It sounds bad. Um, so that's part of why I love improv. The other reason is how good it is for writing. Um, and honestly, I love it for first writing your chord progressions, and I love it for melody. There have been several times that I actually have written improvising. I have 
uh, written a melody that I like and a chord progression I like. And then I just write the piano part around that. Because usually what I'm playing in my right hand is melody. What I'm playing in my left hand it are the chords, which is what I just did. So, and then the beauty of this instrument improvisation, if you're not a pianist, that's fine. The point here is pick whatever instrument you're most um, competent with. So if that's a flute, if that's an oboe, if that's a cello, if that's a harmonica, if that's your voice, right? If you're mostly a singer, um, whatever it is that you're most competent in or, or to change it up, you can definitely do some an instrument you're less competent in because it might inspire you differently to write differently. Um, but for the most part, you probably want to gravitate towards whatever you're most competent in. Use that. Take your pick a key, right? And an important note here: when you pick a key, I would recommend picking a key where you think, okay, this is a good key for me to eventually sing in, or is at least close. That way, as your improvisation starts to turn into a writing session, you're not like, oh, wow, that's a really high C and I can't hit that note or, you know, a high A that I can't, whatever it is, or a, a note too low for you to hit. Um, so sort of keep that in mind while you're improvising and while you're choosing a key. Um, but it's not a big deal because you can just change the key later. The point here is to just write it. Um, when in doubt... If you want to make it easy on yourself, especially if you're not super used to improv, uh, pick whatever key is like e easiest and nat most natural for your instrument, right? There's some instruments that, that you know, uh, f certain flat tunings like B flat might be the easiest thing or the key of A might be easiest. As a pianist, usually C is easiest. As a guitarist, uh, it sort of depends, um, but usually G or E or C is also fairly easy, although F chords are the worst because um, F open chords just sound bad. Like you kind of have to do the bar chord, which is not a hard bar chord to do, but it's just kind of annoying because it's like a bar chord thrown in there with a bunch of, uh, I don't know. I don't like Fs on guitar, got to be honest. But anyway, not the point. So... The goal here is to just improvise in this key that you've picked. Because you've picked a key, so you know what, key, what notes you have to work with, right? So if you pick the key of C, you know you have C, D, E, F, G, A, B to work with. If you chose the key of E, you know you have E, F sharp, G sharp, A, B, C sharp, and D sharp to work with. And then just play, right? And you might think at first, like, oh, this sounds a natural doesn't really sound that great. And that's fine, right? Like that's just, you're just, um, improvising. And especially if you're newer at that, like it's probably not going to sound great right away. The best way to sound pretty good really fast is to understand music theory for sure. Um, but you know, you can't put too much pressure on yourself to come up with something great early. And I think the other beautiful thing about using improv or improvisation, if I say improv, it sounds like stand-up comedy or something. Um, well, improv comedy, not stand-up. Um, is to me, at least, it's it lacks pressure. Because I can honestly just enjoy myself just improvising for like an hour. Just, just doing it, right? And if I stumble across something that I really love... I'll play it over and over until I memorize it. I'll probably pull my phone out, record it so I can't lose it, right? And then I might attach to that and, like, try to work off of that. And then soon, my fun improvisation session has just turned into songwriting. And now it's even more fun, right? And it doesn't have that pressure of, like, oh, I'm here to write a melody. I'm here to, like... So that's another part of the beauty for me um, is sort of the implied lack of pressure when you go into it as sort of an improvisation session. So in the case that you already have chords for your song, I would recommend recording those chords. 
right? So if you, if you have it, record in your DAW. If you have one, if you're into recording, great. Put the, turn the speakers on and loop it. Just, just hit play and make a looping section so it just plays it over and over. Or um, if you don't have it recorded, pull out your phone and do whatever your chord progression is with whatever instrument you want, doesn't matter. Uh, so say it's guitar and your chord progression is like G, C, D over and over. Record it. Record like several minutes worth um, of just that. And now play it back. And this time, go over to whatever instrument you're going to improvise over. So now you have the chords already. You already have a framework. And now you're just playing over it very simply. And it doesn't, you know, so, so now you don't have to worry about, so I was just improvising, right, with, with chords and melody. So if that's overwhelming to you, or if you have an instrument where that's impossible to do or hard to do, like, you know, guitar would be pretty hard to do, and then you know, single note instruments like a flute would be impossible or virtually impossible to do. Uh, you don't have to worry about it, right? Because you can now play on your speakers, play out of your phone even, the chords that you already have and improvise on top. And you're going to be able to hear like what works and what doesn't. Um, and when in doubt, always be sure to utilize your knowledge of music theory to figure out why your melody isn't working if it's not. Right? If you're trying to hold an A in the melody over a G major chord and it sounds tension-filled, but you don't want it to be, uh, you should know why. A is not a note in a G major triad. But if that G major triad is in the key of C or in the key of G or in several other keys, D, um, A the note A is in all of those keys I just mentioned. Um, so it's not wrong, right? And even, 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 you know, I should clarify, technically you don't have to have every note be exactly in the key. Uh, I recommend that for the most part. For the most part, most of the songs you've ever heard uh, do that, uh, unless it's a classical composition or like a soundtrack composition. Usually it's somebody who really understands music theory and how to break the rules, which maybe you're there. Um, but even even I, who is uh, technically there, I rarely use it because it just is completely unnecessary 99% of the time. So I wouldn't worry about that. But there are times where you might need to go to your music theory knowledge to figure out why something is not working. Do not be afraid to do that. Uh, improvisation is not perfect, um, but it's a great way to get there. Just... Just play. Understand the rules and just play until you find something. Um, you know, and this can include singing in the shower, right? I mentioned that your primary instrument might be your voice, your singing. Uh, so, so this doesn't need to be a formal thing either. You can just sort of sing around and, and, and you know, experiment. Maybe you already have a lyric and, and you just keep experimenting with different ways to sing that one line, right? You have one line in the chorus that you just... You want to start the melody there, and or that's the line you just gravitate towards, and just just sing it a bunch of different ways. Just do it, right? Don't don't be worried about like, oh, does this sound like? Who cares? Nobody's listening to you. Do it in the car, right? The car is the perfect place to practice singing, to do your vocal warm up. Like it's the perfect place to just sing whatever because nobody can hear you and it's great. Um, so feel free to do that now. If you think about it, right. Melody has two components, really. It has the note and then rhythm, right? So if you think about it, right, you can write a melody down in, in standard music notation, right? And what are the two things that music notation show you? It shows you here's the note you hit and here's how long you stay on it. Um, and there's other stuff in there like, you know, there's certain parts that will tell you the, you know, the speed, uh, like the actual tempo, right? Because a quarter note on its own doesn't mean anything. Uh, a quarter note with at 120 beats per minute does mean something. Or allegro or, you know, whatever might be marked down there. So there's some other information. But for the most part, right, written music is telling you the two components. How long you hold the note, which when put together in a series of notes is basically the rhythm of the melody or the rhythm of the 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 parts being played, and the notes. 
So you can break it down. That way you're writing one part at a time. Um, and one of the things you can obviously break it down to is rhythm. Um, and this sort of addresses one of the downsides of simply going off of improvisation, which is that you're more limited to your improvisation skills, right? Uh, which I would argue, uh, just do it more and you'll get better. But um, it also can be easy to tend towards writing the same kind of melodies over and over again, right? Because th just the way you might improvise might tend to start to be the same. And if you just break it up and just work on rhythm, that might be a way to break out of the box. It might be a way to look at things differently. So you can do the same thing. It's basically improvisation again, but this time you're just doing rhythm, right? So, and again, if you have chords already, record them, play them back, and then do figure out this rhythm of the melody over it, loop it over and over and over again, and keep trying until you have something you like. And you know, you if you if you're anything like me, you've been in the car before and you like tap to a song. or whatever. And sometimes like what I do is I mix like some of the drum beat and the melody. Like I tap out the melody and I tap out the drums and I sort of mix it all up. Or sometimes I'll do more melody, right? Like you can just tap out the rhythm of the melody. Um and you can do claps. You can just tap. You can whatever, right? Like And, and, you know, that was a little more rhythmic, I guess. But um, I also, it looks like I clipped the mic. So sorry if that hurt your ears. Uh, I will clap away from the mic. But like, you know, if, if you're playing a song, or playing the, the chords that you already have written, uh, and then you just sort of just sit back and you're like, Right? Like that. There you go. And then you're like, well, I don't really like that. I want to try. You know, whatever. I, I don't have any music going on right now, so I'm just making stuff up. But, you know, the point is you should be able to tap your foot. And even if you don't have chords already, you can just do that, right? Just tap your foot, f figure out, like, is it, you know, one, two, three, four, 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 or one, two, three, one, two, three, or three, four. And, you know, most, most of the key signatures that we use are either 3-4 or 4-4 four, four, or a derivation of that, right? Like 6-8 time is, is basically differently notated, differently counted 3-4, but it's, it's essentially still 3-4. Um, so just breaking it out and just doing rhythm, just tapping it can be a, a great way to separate concerns a little bit and just figure out like, okay, here's, here's a rhythm that I like for the melody to, to do. Um, and then you can figure out notes to go on top of that, right? Like you just record that, whatever your, your, um, rhythm is and then record or sorry, play improvise notes over that. So you're noticing a theme here, right? Like it is, it's usually starts with the improvisation. You might be thinking, Joseph, is there no way to avoid improvisation when you're writing melody? And I would say, first of all, if you're afraid of some version of improvisation, right? This is a really loose definition at this point. It's literally like making stuff up, even if it's, you know, humming along down the street to a made up melody that's never existed before. And you're like, oh, that's not a real song. I'm just sort of like, it's a very loose definition. So if you're afraid of even this level of improv, I'm going to just tell you you're in trouble. Like you just... You just, believe me, it's revolutionary. I love that I, like, I, I can just sit and play songs that don't exist for hours. And for the most part, they'll sound pretty good. Like, the most common comment I'll hear after, you know, if I'm just doing it, is someone's like, oh, that's beautiful. Where, what is that? And I said, I, I always say, I, I don't know. Like, I have no idea. And sometimes, you know, you get the quizzical look, like, what, what do you mean you have no idea? And the answer is like, I have, I, I don't know. I was just improvising. I just was doing stuff and you know, it blows people's minds, but it's one of those things that like, if, if you haven't done improvisation, it is not nearly as hard as it sounds or seems like it would be. I promise. It's really not. Um, 
what you do need is a firm idea of music theory, uh, especially with an instrument for the most part. I think vocally, if you're a decent vocalist, for the most part, you can sort of hear. Um, I don't know. I'm not sure about that. I'm trying to think if as a vocalist, it's easier to kind of just stay in a key even without understanding music theory. I want to say it is, but that might just be because I do understand music theory. Um, so I, I don't know uh, for that. But the point here is music theory is important. And I will die on that hill. And if you believe that I don't need music theory to write songs, you're right. You don't need it. You'll just be a heck of a lot better, a heck of a lot more competent, much uh, you can uh, understand how and why things work musically the way they do, how they sound the way they do. You can engineer your music to sound how you want it to sound. You know and understand how to add tension, how to get rid of tension, how like it's just a whole new world. And if you're not interested in that and you are a lazy songwriter who's like, I don't want music theory, don't bother listening to this podcast. I'm just just don't because we're not gonna we're not gonna see eye to eye here um music theory is important and i want you to dedicate yourself to learning that because there's really only four parts four fundamental parts of music theory that you need to understand um and i have a free guide for it even songwritertheory.com slash music theory all one word music theory songwritertheory.com slash music theory. Go check it out. Totally free guide. And it will teach you all four of the major things that you need to know that will make you go from ignorant about music theory to knowing enough about music theory to do the improvisation I just did 20 minutes ago or whatever it was now. And to understand all the music necessary, music theory necessary to write music, which is, again, is four things. It's four things. If you're too lazy to do that, you have no business being a songwriter. I'm just going to tell you that. And don't at me with your, well, Joseph, the Beatles or some other songwriter that you think is so great doesn't understand music theory, didn't know music theory. Who cares? That's like saying somebody, this, let's take cherry pick this one successful person. Well, they didn't go to college. So college is dumb and bad and unnecessary. Like, no, that's not how it works. College is unnecessary. It absolutely is. But for the most part, statistically, you're going to do better if you go to college. You're statistically going to make more money. It's usually a good idea to go to college, right? Like you can't just cherry pick certain specific examples of people who manage to be good despite not doing the right things, right? Like you can't say, oh, well, Randy Moss is one of the greatest wide receivers ever, and he didn't really take care of his body or he was kind of a, you know, a horrible teammate sometimes. So that makes it okay. Like, no, maybe he would have been an even better player if he did the right things. Randy Moss should be a warning because he should have been the greatest wide receiver of all time. He certainly was the most talented, but he didn't end up being that. Why? Because he had attitude issues. That's why. So don't tell me like, oh, so-and-so is such a great songwriter and he doesn't know music theory. She doesn't know music theory. Maybe they'd be an even better songwriter if they did know music theory. Don't use that as your excuse to not learn music theory. All right, rant over. All the people out there who are too lazy to learn music theory, which again, it's basically four parts you really need to know are no longer listening to this podcast after that. But that's fine, because hopefully you and I are tracking together and both believe in the same thing, which is that we want this world to be filled with better, more high-quality music that is both artistic and likable to the masses, or likable to a lot of people. Um, you know, I don't mean like a pop song, but I don't believe the idea that it needs to either be artsy or it needs to be pop crap. Like, there's a beautiful middle ground where it's genuinely good art and it's actually likable to people who aren't 
snobs. Like, that's a thing. Just look at Christopher Nolan and his movies, which, by the way, I have a whole podcast on the Christopher Nolan principle of creativity, which is basically me making my argument that it is crap. It is a load of crap that you need to, like, pick and choose. Like, you can either be so artsy that, like, all the people don't understand how great it is. I don't know why that became weird. Donald Trump. Whatever. Or... Um, or you think like, oh, it needs to be like this pop crap that's generated. Like, how do I write the next hit song, man? Like, give me the, give me the stats. Give me, give me the right chord progression. Like there is a, that's ridiculous. You don't have to choose between those two. You can write really great quality stuff that also is likable and not artsy and like trying too hard. Anyway, that rant was unintentional, but I stand by all of it. And going into this new year, I hope that you can track with me that if you don't know music theory that well, you dedicate yourself. This is the year. You're going to go download that free guide, songwritertheory.com slash music theory, and you're going to learn it. Honestly... That guide even tells you how to read the guide to get the most out of it. And you should be able to go from completely ignorant to, like, understanding in a matter of a couple days. Like, it doesn't take that long to read through, but obviously you're not going to grasp all of it on the first read. Um, or maybe you will. I don't know. But the point is, it's, it doesn't even take that long. I think people have in their minds that it's going to be, like, four, like, it's, oh, I need to learn, like, all this stuff that, People learn in four years of a college degree in music. Like, no, that's a bunch of crap. It's not the important. They go way past what's important. Like, I learned way more than what I need to for songwriting. But lucky for you, I boil it down and give you exactly what you need. So hopefully this is the year that you decide, you know what? I don't want to be a lazy songwriter. I want to be a great songwriter. And you go... Get that guide and learn music theory. So today we are not talking about that, though. We're talking about writing melody. Um, So the last thing is music notation. So you may have heard of software like Finale, and I just looked it up. There are like free, free tools out there now that are just online that allow you to just click and input music notation. Like you can, you know, put here's a G, make it a whole note or a half note or a dotted quarter note. Um, and then you can hit play and it plays it back for you. So it even tells you what it sounds like. And it's free software. Cool stuff out there. Like search for it. Like free music notation software. Like there's tons out there. You don't even need to download anything. It's awesome. We live in a great, great world where technology is amazing and beautiful. Um... So, with this, you can write out the chords. So, like, you can literally, if it's a C chord that you're working with, or if you haven't written chords yet, and you, you are like, oh, let's start with a C chord, you can put those three notes, right? C, E, G. There's a C major triad right there. You can put that, like, in the bass clef, and then in the treble clef, you can literally see now what notes you have as options for like your primary part of your melody. So you know that a C, E, or G are all going to sound really good and really solid with that C chord. Why? Because those are the three notes in that chord. So then you can build and literally you can look and see the roadmap of what your music looks like. So you can, for example, what I have in front of me, go check out the blog post if you want to actually see what I'm talking about, uh, which of course would be at songwritertheory.com. But it has a C chord, and then I have a G chord, and then I have an F chord, all major. C major, G major, F major. And, you know, at first, I just start with simple notes. So I pick the E from the C chord, the G from the G chord, and the F from the F chord. And that's all I have for melody. 
all whole notes. Like, that's obviously not too much of a melody, right? Like, that's not going to be that interesting. But then you can evolve it from there. You're like, okay, I have those solid notes that I want to start with, because maybe on the one of, it's in four, four times, so on the one beat, which is one of the two strong beats, right? One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. So now on the strong beats, I've guaranteed myself, like, okay, these are notes that are going to work. But then, it also gives me a roadmap that I see, okay, I have, I start on an E in the first beat of the first measure, and in the second measure, I want to get to a G. So I can think to myself, oh, well, you know, usually in melodies, you'd like to do a lot of steps that are next to each other. It sort of makes it sound cohesive and very together. So I can think, oh, okay, well, I can see visually E, and then there's a G, and I'm like, oh, it would make sense, right, to step and to change the melody to E, F, G. So now I'm stepping up, right? And I can visually see that when I'm writing it in notation. Or I can be like, oh, maybe I want to do something, I want to come down to the G. So I go E, A, G. Or, you know, maybe I want more than two notes in there in that one measure, right? Or I just want to change it. So maybe I originally have E as a half note, so taking up half the measure, and then F as a half note, taking up half the measure, and then to the G of the next measure. I can change it. Maybe I want a dotted half note, so three beats uh, on the E, and then only one beat, a quarter note, on the F before going to the G, right? There's so many things that I can just sort of edit just right there. And especially, again, with the modern-day music software, music notation software, you can do this and literally hit the play button, and it plays what it would sound like, which is awesome. And the beauty of this is this is sort of how a composer will do things, right? So if you think to yourself, okay, how does... Like, when there's all these complex instrumentals all working together in John Williams' soundtrack for, you know... Star Wars Episode Nine. Um, you know, Duel of the Fates. He's got one thing going on over here and one thing over here, and there's like twenty instruments playing, twenty different types of instruments playing at the same time, and they're all doing some different parts, and some are working together clearly at the, and then uh, you know, but it all sounds good together. And you think, how, how, you know, how, how does that happen? Like the. And they're complex parts, right? They're not, it's not like most of the songs you and I write where, yeah, there's maybe 20 guitar parts, but they're all just doing like single notes over there and one's doing power chords and all really simple stuff um, with like one or two doing more complex stuff. But with compositions, it's like so much complexity all coming together and all works. And how they do that is, is music notation. So they can see, they can see like, oh, okay, well, I have a G chord here. So it would make sense for this note to go up to a B because a B is in the, the chord of G. And they, again, they can visually see it. It's like a roadmap. It's like in football, right? I, I don't really know for sure, but I know like if, if you grew up playing basketball or whatever, right? The coach calls you over, no matter what sport you're playing, and he has that like little whiteboard thing, whiteboard clipboard that has a picture of whatever your field or rink or court looks like of your sport. And then he'll draw up a play, right? He draws it up and does arrows and stuff. And then you go out and execute it, right? He doesn't go out to the field, even if you're at practice, right? He doesn't go out to the field and be like, okay, you... Let me show you where you're running, and where, and then he walks over to another person. Let me show you, right? Because it's easier to gather everybody there, draw up a play where you can physically see on the board how it's going to develop, and it's easy to like see how you're going to manipulate the defense and stuff because it's all right there. You can see it. You have all the information right there. Now, its execution might not go as well as it did on the board, right? And you may need to tweak it. But at least you're like 80% of the way there when you draw it up on the board. So that's sort of what music notation is, where you get yourself like 80% of the way there. You know at least, just visually looking at it, that, okay, this will sound good. This will sound correct, at least. It might not be interesting yet, but I'm going to work on making it more interesting. But I at least know that an E in the melody while I'm playing a C major triad is going to work well. 
It's going to sound good. Never in history has that not sounded good. Actually, that's not true. If you're in the wrong, if you're in a different key and then you play that when it's very not in the key, um, because of context, it wouldn't sound good, but that's a whole other thing. I've talked about that before, how context is everything in music. Um, and because I already went on a rant and way off topic, we don't have time to talk about that. So, the main point here, how to start writing melody. So my first thing, again, instrument improvisation. I want you to go improvise. Just keep improvising. Keep going, keep going, keep playing. Whether you have chords to do it over or not, just do it until you have something you like, right? Like, just keep doing it until you come up with something you like, right? Like, maybe it was just one part of that I liked. Uh, like the... Maybe I just like that. So I know, okay, let me work with that a little more. Let me tweak that. So improv is your friend, right? That's a great way um, to do, to figure out melody. The other one was rhythm. Improvising just the rhythm. Right, you can't really improvise just the notes. That doesn't really work. But you can improvise just the rhythm. Um, so doing that via clapping. You know, whatever. Um, is a great way to do it. Especially if you're new to improvisation and you want to split up the concerns of notes versus rhythm. Or... If you want to possibly come up with something different than you normally would, and sometimes starting with rhythm can change that, right? Like if you just, like I've never written a blues song in my life. I've never written a blues song. I wouldn't even know where to begin with a blues song. But if I go and look up a, a drum groove that's bluesy, I'm gonna write blues, right? Because there's the rhythm of blues. So now I'm feeling the blues. It's not that I can't feel the blues. It's just when I write, that's not where I gravitate to. So starting with rhythm can sort of give you that. Where like, you know, maybe... Right? Like that might not be a rhythm that I ever um, would do if I was improvising on the piano or with my voice. Um, just because, uh, specifically for me, I tend to write much more legato and I'm not, I, I don't like my, I generally don't write melodies super rhythmic. Like they're not out of rhythm, but I like syncopation. I'm more the, like, I like the beautiful melodies, the memorable melodies over the catchy ones. And starting with rhythm, uh, might lend itself a little more towards catchy. That's not necessarily true, but... Um, so for me, it might be a good way to mix it up. And then lastly, music notation, which is a composer's friend. Uh, so if you're ever doing complex music or complex parts, definitely a great tool and go-to. Um, but also, it helps give you a roadmap. It helps you understand, like... You can visually see, okay, I, I start on an E and I want to get to a G. I see those two that I've chosen. Um, how do I get there? And you can sort of literally draw it out, uh, which is another great way to do things. So I hope this was helpful to you. I know that this podcast went long, partially because of my mu pro music theory rant, but hopefully... You were pumping your fists saying, yeah, preach it when I did that. Or, alternatively, you were thinking, I'm kind of mad at him right now because he's talking about me. Um, but he makes a good point. Or maybe you thought, I didn't make a good point, uh, but you're at least intrigued and you're like, oh, well, huh. Never really thought about that. Maybe maybe I should learn music theory. And, uh, yes, you should. I hope, 
I will consider this a win if I can convince even one person who before was on the edge of like, um, I don't know, music theory. Yeah. If I convince even one, this that rant and this whole podcast will be worth it. Even though this podcast was about principally how to start writing melody. Again, if you would like to follow along, if you would like to get access to the songwriting sessions that you can get at songwritertheory.com slash songwriting sessions, all one word. Um, I have one up already that is an hour and 20 minutes long, and I will have more soon. I thoroughly enjoyed doing them. Thanks again to Tom, whose idea it was to uh, make that. He actually said a podcast, but I decided to go one further and make a video. Um, also, again, if you want to learn music theory, you can pick up that free guide, songwritertheory.com slash music theory. I'm excited to get into the new year with you guys coming up soon. I'm pumped. I'm already coming up with the content that we're going to talk about. I'm excited for another year to uh, teach people something I'm passionate about, which is writing music and specifically writing meaningful music, writing music that isn't just to hit the pop charts, that isn't to be famous. Not, I mean, obviously, I hope we all kind of want to be uh, famous doing it, but I want to break the mold. There is a Christopher Nolan of movie making, somebody who makes great movies that are artistically great and are also commercially great. And I believe that music can also do that, where there can be commercially successful artistic music that isn't trying too hard. It largely doesn't exist right now. Unfortunately, like if you listen to pop radio, it's mostly all garbage. Uh, there's some exceptions, but for the most part, it's kind of depressing to listen to. So if you feel that same way I do, keep tracking with us because that's here. The goal here is that we all become great songwriters who can hopefully in the coming years, we can start a revolution where we say, no, we're sick of the lack of quality. We believe in the Christopher Nolan principle of creativity, that we can write great stuff that is great artistically and it can be commercially successful. It doesn't, to be artistic, it doesn't have to be this unlikable, overly long, overly trying too hard crap that's just like super haughty and thinks that, oh, um, only, only certain people could understand. Like if only certain people could understand, maybe you didn't communicate well enough. Just a thought. And we also don't just want to write the next hit. Like, oh, I want to write something that Taylor Swift would do. Like, come on. Hopefully we all, you all, are on board with my mission. Great, meaningful music. Songs that really hit the heart. I know for me personally, um, one of my missions with my music is I want somebody to be able to hear my song and... You know, whatever pain they're going through, um, a lot of my songs revolve around different subjects of pain. I should explain that before uh, saying this. But, like, usually my goal is that, okay, I've had this pain. I'm going to write this song about it, or I can relate to this pain. I'm going to write this song about it. And my biggest hope, really, I write uh, mostly, you know, for self-therapy for the most part and because I enjoy it. But... Uh, the ultimate thing to me is if somebody hears my song and thinks, oh, I'm not alone. That's my thing. Is if somebody, anybody, just one person out there is going through this pain and they feel alone and they feel like they're the only one going through this stuff and they feel that it's hopeless, they can hear my song and think there is hope. There's someone else out there that understands, that's been through what I've been through, that feels what I feel. And I personally have many artists and specific songs that have gotten me through really, really tough times. Um, and if I can have any of my songs do that for anyone, that is a victory. So as my last challenge to you, 
unrelated to the subject of the rest of this podcast of how to start writing melody. Here's my challenge for you. Figure out your why, or as Simon Sinek would say, find your why or start with why. What's your why? Like, why, why, why are you writing music? What's your mission? And that doesn't mean you need to be preachy in your songs. I hate preachy songs. Um, I hate songs where it's like, here's a message to beat you over the head with. I hate that. Um, cause I think, uh, subtlety and, and, and be- the beauty of telling a story that can, that we can, um, learn from that we can relate to is, is a beautiful thing. And to just be preached at is like, you know, the, the old writing adage of show, don't tell, right? So don't tell me, don't preach at me, uh, show me. Um, but my, so, so I have my mission, right? And, and obviously the mission of this podcast is to help equip you all to also write impactful songs so that hopefully you can write a song that, you know, somebody who's going through depression, somebody who's just had a parent die, somebody who's, you know, can, can, can find refuge in your song. And that doesn't even have to be, I tend to write darker music. Maybe you write happy music that helps people out of the darkness in a different way, right? Like mine is meant to help people out of darkness via commiserating with them and sort of showing them they're not alone. Maybe yours is the one that like brings a smile to their face because it's just so catchy. And, you know, we, we need all of those kinds of music. So regardless of what your mission is, or maybe your mission has nothing to do with helping sad people, right? Like your mission might be anything. But my goal, my goal for you, my challenge for you is before the end of this year, figure out why. Why is it you want to be a songwriter? I hope it's not because you want to be rich and famous. I hope it's something a little deeper than that. So that's my challenge to you. Sorry for the overly long podcast. If you did enjoy it, though, go leave a review on iTunes, preferably. I appreciate those of you who already have. And I will talk with you next week.